This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Great to be back with you guys and see so many familiar smiling faces. I always love uh, being here at Christian Chapel. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And this series has been really remarkable. Uh, I watched the first one on uh, Facebook, uh, traveling somewhere between here and there. <laughs> and I was here for the second one when uh, Mr. Professor, Dr. Reverend, ex-pastor, former Isgrig um, spoke. And that was also phenomenal. And then I got to uh, dial in last week on Facebook and hear uh, Pastor Mike. And wow, just a really cool series. And so I just want to take a moment and honor... Um, uh, Chris and Angie as the pastors here and what they're doing just to give some opportunity and space for the Holy Spirit to move. I think this is tremendous. And so without further ado, I would like to uh, just jump straight into uh, the word tonight that I believe God put on my heart uh, for this body. So to do that, we're going to look at a few verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And we pick this up here in verse 12 through verse 15. The word of God says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make lovable paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We respond to it and we say, speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said... Amen. Tonight, I would like to talk to you about arms, knees, and feet. Arms, knees, and feet. Now, um, a few weeks ago, we were driving around Burundi, and I think in about eight days, we visited something like 17 churches. Most of those were put in by a church called Christian Chapel. Anyone ever heard of Christian Chapel? Yeah. Woo, come on. It was awesome. Uh, Six new ones have already gone in since uh, we were here in November, so thank you so much for helping us make this a reality. Like, hopefully, I would love to take all of you over there one day, but it is so awesome what God is doing in Burundi right now. I mean, just take my word for it. It is awesome. So I was in a place by, called uh, Kiki, uh, Kiguena, all right? And so Bailey was preaching in Ramonge. I'm preaching in Kiguena. It's a Sunday morning. And after service, the pastor um, decides that he wants to give me a rooster, all right? So you're going to see this picture come up on the screen behind me. And if you look closely, you'll see the rooster. He's in between me, and I have a big old, you know, goofy grin on my face because it's the first time I've ever been given a rooster after I've preached in Burundi, or anywhere for that matter. Pastor Chris, our Pastor Greg, has never given me a rooster when I preached at uh, Christian Chapel. So I was kind of loving the moment, and I didn't tell Bailey that there was a rooster. They put it in a cardboard box and stuck it in the back of the vehicle. And so we went to pick up Bailey. She finishes preaching, and we are driving to our next uh, destination where we're going to spend the night, and all of a sudden, the rooster, his, his legs were tied, but his head was very much, you know, loose and active, and so he pops his head up, and goes, rrr, rrr, and Bailey about jumps out of her skin, because she didn't know that there was a rooster in the back seat, and she's like, what in the world is the rooster doing? And he's like, hey, they gave me a rooster, my preaching was just so amazing today, like, you just can't imagine, the pastor blessed me, right? And so, we roll into town, and long story short, it was ridiculously hot, as Burundi usually is, and unfortunately, Unfortunately, the rooster passed away because of the heat. I know, it's sad, but I was told that several pastors enjoyed some rooster stew the next day, so all was not lost. And as you're saying, what does that have to do with Hebrews chapter 12? That is a good question, but 
As I was thinking about this series, Pastor Chris had asked me to speak uh, back in like, I don't know, January or February. Um, the thought came to me that we have all been given gifts, just like I was given that rooster. And the gifts that we've been given are gifts by the Spirit, right? And my concern is that in the intensity of the hour that we are living in right now, many of us have become content to let other people use their gifts while ours slowly atrophy, or maybe even worse yet, die inside of us. Now, the premise for my message tonight is simply this, all right? Spiritual gifts don't exist in a vacuum. They operate within the human spirit, okay? So sometimes it's entirely possible to think of the gifts of the spirit as being something out there that just suddenly comes upon us. But I would like to suggest tonight that we all have been given a responsibility to steward what has been entrusted to us. Notice the emphasis in this passage because it's very interesting to me where the author of Hebrews says, strengthen your feeble arms. In other words, you have a responsibility to do this, right? Then he says, make level paths for your feet. Now, I think some of us want to make level paths for our neighbor's feet, right? I just can't believe he did that. If he'd just get his life in order, then maybe God would use him more. No, the author of Hebrews wants to help us focus on this idea that we all have a personal responsibility. I think sometimes um, we have a misunderstanding of the gifts of the Spirit. We think it's like a robotic compliance, right? Like the Holy Spirit comes on us, and then it's like, I have been given the gift of prophecy. I have to use the gift of prophecy. I have no option but to... And that's, that's when you read Scripture, you begin to unpack this. You begin to see that every individual has a unique personality, a unique gift set. Pastor Mike did a tremendous job last week talking about primary and secondary gifts and how the Spirit interacts uh, in our lives. And the idea is that when you start walking with Jesus for very long, you realize that when the gifts become operational in your life, it's not that Jesus is twisting your arm behind your back and making you do something. It's that you have to deliberately choose to cooperate with the promptings that the Spirit is putting in your life. Hi, guys over there. I didn't see people sitting over there. I wasn't trying to ignore you, right? So I think this brings us back to this idea that the gifts are cooperative, they are participatory. And when you look in Hebrews chapter 12, the author is pleading for believers to take their spiritual heritage and the spiritual deposits that have been placed inside of them seriously. How many people could you and I identify tonight who have stopped using their gifts? right? I can think of just like a whole plethora of people that come to mind. They have been uniquely gifted. They have been specially gifted. And yet at some point, because of some circumstance or some situation, they have stopped using the gifts. And so Hebrews chapter 12, I think, gives us two images, all right? And the first image is this image of a disabled or weakened body, all right? A disabled or weakened body. Now, I think that when you look at this passage, the author is concerned that the body isn't living up to its full potential. And I think that this series here at Christian Chapel is, has been a challenge for us to examine ourselves and see if we are operating and stewarding what has been entrusted to us, right? If you are born again, I think it was Danny who said it, you have been given at least one spiritual gift, if not multiple spiritual gifts, okay? And that's two weeks ago when I was in jet lag and Danny was preaching. I was sitting in the back. The Lord like, took me back to some of the moments that I personally have experienced here at Christian Chapel. And it was like he was reminding me of the spiritual legacy and the spiritual deposit that exists for us as a corporate body. I was thinking back to 2001 when then Dr. Isgrig was not a doctor. He was an ORU student and the children's pastor. And I remember he invited me to come speak about 200 feet that way, and I preached a message on 
um, are you hiding among the baggage, talking about the failure of Saul's call? And we're talking like seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds. And I remember the Spirit of God came down so powerfully in that room. Parents were like knocking at the door and it was like, just kept going. I mean, God was just, was anybody here from that moment? Yeah, Taylor was there. I mean, it was incredible. Then I was thinking about to 2007 when Chris asked me to speak uh, upstairs at Remnant. And I remember preaching a message called, God, Are You Crazy? And I mean, the Lord just moved for like an hour. Young people were getting baptized in the Spirit. It was tremendous. And those are just two quick examples that I think those of us who've been around Christian chapel for any length of time, you could remember and identify specific moments when the Spirit encountered you and put all kinds of amazing and unique giftings in your heart. Now, I... So I was putting this together, I just kept thinking that what we know is that the sum total of a body is only as strong as its, as its individual parts. Now, Christian Chapel is in a unique season of growth right now. I'm not suggesting that Christian Chapel is a disabled body, but what I'm saying is that maybe there are people amongst us who have been wounded, hurt, or injured in terms of the spiritual giftings that have been deposited inside of them, so that instead of us operating at 100% of what God could do, maybe we're only operating at a lower capacity. And this message is more geared towards the idea, what would happen if every single individual among us decided that they were fully in and allowing the spirit to operate every gift that has been deposited in their life, right? So this passage, we see some kind of wounding or hurt has occurred. And what's interesting is that the outcome is that the feet, legs, and knees are struggling. The Greek word for disable here is ektrepo. It means to twist an ankle or to turn away or deviate. So you have this idea of a hobbling body or maybe parts of a body that are wounded and that are hurt, right? And so I think that this analogy is consistent with Paul's presentation of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he's going to compare the body of Christ to, as a unit comprised of individual members, which are you and me, right? So I kind of decided, well, if that's an image of a disabled body, then what are possible reasons that may create a disabled or weakened body? Now, this is not a comprehensive list, but I just came up with four that I think most of us could probably identify with. The first one is skepticism. The second one is intimidation. The third one is criticism, and the fourth one is bitterness. I think you could add other ones to it. I think you could put disappointment there. You could put manipulation on that. You could put abuse, you know, different things. But this idea of these four, skepticism, intimidation, criticism, and bitterness. And to illustrate these, I decided to ask some of our leaders in Burundi their experience with the Holy Spirit and how um, these four reasons or these four um, yeah, reasons for a disabled body may have um, occurred in their lives. And so the first one that you're going to see on the screen behind me, this is Pastor Gerard Chizungu. Um, he's a tremendous brother, pastors a church in Gatumba, Burundi. He's also the current general superintendent of the Congolese Assemblies of God Fellowship. And so I asked him about this idea of skepticism. And um, before we, I tell you his story, I think it's important to differentiate uh, cynicism and skepticism, okay? Cynicism and skepticism. Skepticism speaks of doubt, right? I think cynicism speaks of deliberate unbelief. So biblically, the Bible is kind to the skeptic, but harsh towards the cynic, right? And so you look at this, and probably some of us here tonight, 
could be skeptical about this whole operation of the gifts of the Spirit thing, right? Particularly when people start praying in tongues and running around the sanctuary, doing whatever they do. I mean, it's easy to get skeptical. I've been there myself. And so Pastor Chizungu tells the story that he's a medical student with an analytical mind at the University of Bujumbura. And he's a Christian at the time, but he's skeptical of anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And InterVarsity Christian Union is organized, and they decide to put together a special seminar and invite a guest speaker who announces that he would be teaching on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Chizungu went that night to the first session of the seminar to mock and to make fun of other Christians together with his two friends. During the ministry time at the end, many people went forward to be prayed for, and a lady with a crippled foot suddenly started yelling, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And he said he knew this lady personally and didn't believe it. He had been sitting in the back with his arms folded, so he decided to go up to the front of the sanctuary and investigate for himself. In doing so, the guest minister walked around, touched him on the forehead, and he said 30 minutes later, he got up off the ground with tears pouring down his face, praying in a language he'd never heard of before, and he decided that he was no longer a skeptic. I asked him, I said, at that point, which gifts of the Spirit do you feel like were deposited inside of you? He said that he received the gift of discernment, the gift of teaching, the gift of healing, the gift of prophetic utterance, and a gift of faith. In the last 20 months, he's planted more than 15 churches. Intimidation. I decided to uh, investigate this one a little bit. And by intimidation, I think this can both be as it relates to people as well as uh, demonic activity. It can be the fear of people's opinions and reactions if we use our gift. It can also be some kind of a spiritual resistance where the enemy tries to prevent us from stepping out into what the Spirit has put in front of us. Uh, you're going to see a picture of Pastor Hermas uh, behind me. Pastor Hermas pastors uh, a church in Musaga, Burundi, one of my closest friends. If you follow me on Facebook, I post about him regularly. Um, he was a witch doctor, a sorcerer. Prior to receiving Christ, a Baptist uh, brother came to his door, knocked on the door, led him to Jesus, and he was gloriously saved. After experiencing Christ as his Savior for over a year, he experienced spiritual attacks in the forms of nightmares, unexplainable terrors, and fear. One day at church, while singing hymn number 259, which in Kirundi says, I know my voice is so beautiful. Some people are like, do you sell CDs? No, I don't. Thank God. Right? He says suddenly in the middle of the hymn, he felt waves of power go through his body with a sudden surge of heat, joy, peace, and a great confidence that he had never known before. At that moment, he says he believes he received the gift of discernment, words of wisdom, and prophecy. He is currently the director of our elementary school program, overseeing 10 schools that we have put in across Burundi. I love what 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and a spirit of power and a spirit of a sound mind. Amen. Criticism. This is Pastor Bishop Jerome, the head of the Burundi Assemblies of God Fellowship, probably one of my best friends in the entire world. And as you can see, we both take our positions very seriously. This is, uh, criticism is when people come to tell us how we could have done something better. You ever been there before? Oh my goodness. And they point the finger at you and just say, brother, I just want to give you some observations. Yeah, okay, here it comes, some observations, right? We promise that we're doing this in love, right? And usually what happens is someone calls into question our motivations and bottom line, it hurts. 
I've been there many times, and the response is usually, well, if that's how they feel, then I'm just not going to use my gifts anymore, right? And so you clam up inside, you become like the bear who's gone into hibernation, the gifts go dormant. I talked to Pastor Jerome, I asked him, what did, what, what did you do with criticism in your life? And he says that he grew up in a Christian family, he had heard much about the Holy Spirit, but had never experienced him. Over the years, a hunger stirred inside of him for a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. Multiple people criticized him and told him not to get too active within the Pentecostal movement. But he says one day at church while someone was teaching and preaching on the Holy Spirit, his, the hunger overcame him. And he says on that day, this is his exact quote, on that day an immense joy filled my heart and I felt new words bubbling up in my spirit. After that moment, I was like someone from a different world, a new peaceful man, a very calm man in a new world with an unshakable faith, a love for God and a love for others on a whole different level than I had never known before. He said in that moment he received words of wisdom and gifts of faith and teaching and the discernment of spirits that he has used to this day. And as you, as, well, you may not know, but we're currently up to church number 67. And it's largely in due in part to this brother right here and the fact that he was obedient to what the spirit put inside of him, right? And then finally, bitterness. And this is... Uh, Kind of the crux, I guess, of what this uh, passage is talking about in verse 15. Don't let any bitter root grow up inside of you. It'll defile many, right? This is a picture of me with Hermas. You say, well, we already talked about Hermas. We did, so let's talk about me. Because I stand in front of you today as someone who has battled greatly with bitterness. You say, bitterness? Yeah, bitterness towards God, bitterness towards others, and bitterness towards myself. And most of it had to do when personal expectations weren't met. When I feel like God didn't do what I thought God was supposed to do and other people didn't do what they thought that they, I thought they were supposed to do and I didn't live up to how I was supposed to live up to. And it's easy in those moments to get hurt and at some point to allow the hurt to become bitterness. And you know what the next step is? It's to withdraw and to say I'm no longer going to participate in this thing called church or in this thing called the body. I don't have time to tell the full story, but I remember writing the letter in May of 2009 when I was going to resign from missions, and I was going to, I didn't know if I was done with God, but I was about done with God, and it had everything to do with bitterness in my spirit. And here's what I've learned. I, I've learned that it is certain that bitterness shuts down the moving of the spirit faster than anything else I know, Right? The good news here, though, is that Hebrews 12 doesn't just leave us with an image of a broken, wounded, disfigured body. Rather, there's a second image. Come on, somebody. It's good news when there's a second image. Image number two is a healed or restored body. A healed or restored body. In these verses, what struck me was the contrast between disabling and healing. Those are two drastically different images. The Greek word is iathe. It means to cure, to heal, or to make whole. Uh, the Greek, just to be a little bit of a Greek nerd, is in the aortist pa passive subjunctive. It has the sense of let it be healed, let something be done, right? And I, as I was putting together this message for tonight, I just kept feeling in my spirit the last two years, oh my goodness, the body of Christ has been through a season of turmoil and challenge like we have never been before on the face of planet earth, or at least in my lifetime. And I think that what the Spirit is speaking through this passage is simply this Greek aortis passive subjunctive. The Spirit is saying, let it be healed. The body of Christ, let it be healed. You say, Jesus, I'm wounded and I'm broken. Let it be healed. My friends and family don't understand me. Let it be healed. 
I'm struggling with bitterness and skepticism. Let it be healed. Fear and anxiety have crippled me. Let it be healed, right? Now, why is this image so important? I think that it goes back to the idea of the mission of Christ. And the mission of the church is still Jesus' priority. Would you notice with me that the three parts of the body mentioned are not the heart, the kidney, and the lungs? Because if they were the heart, the kidney, and the lungs, the body would be dead, not disabled, right? It's not the hair, the nose, or the mouth. It's not an aesthetic representation. It's interesting to me that the three parts of the body mentioned in this, these two verses are essential for movement, action, and activity. So the mission of the church, I believe, is what is in question. When you talk about the arm, you're, it's indicative of the reach or the touch of the body. Touch communicates the love of Christ in practical and tangible ways. So when it talks about the arms, I think it's talking about outreach. Talking about the feet, it's indicative of the direction, the trajectory and path that a body is following to accomplish God's purpose. Also in scripture, when you talk about feet, how beautiful on the feet, on the mountains, are the feet of those who bring good news, right? It's talking about this idea of communicating the good news, of bringing the good news. And then you have the image of the knees. I think this speaks of intercession. I think this speaks of prayer. I think this speaks of prophetic power for the body where we are reminded once again that prayer is the real motor, the real engine that drives the purposes of God in anybody, Right? And so you have this beautiful picture of let it be healed. Why? So that we can engage in mission, so that we can be on point and action and activity, so that Jesus can be made famous through individual, regular, normal people like you and like me who've had to overcome some stuff, right? I don't know where you're at tonight, but I can tell you from my experience, usually when you find someone who is very strongly and uniquely gifted and used in a particular spiritual gift, it's usually because they've had to overcome some stuff. It's not that Jesus just sprinkles magic fairy dust on some people and not on other people. It's that usually when it comes to these four areas that we've identified tonight, when we're talking about skepticism and you're talking about intimidation and you're talking about criticism and you're talking about bitterness, it's usually when you get to know someone and hear what's happened behind the scenes, you begin to hear their story and you begin to hear that they've had to walk through some stuff. And I know tonight as I look out over this crowd, there's people in here that have had to walk through some stuff. And I think the word of the Lord is simply this, let it be healed. Two Old Testament allusions from this passage of Scripture. Interestingly, the author of Hebrews quotes two passages from the Old Testament to make this prophetic statement about healing occurring in the body. The first is Isaiah 35.3. It speaks of spiritual rest, uh, restoration and transformation. The passage states, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leak like a deer and mute tongues shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Isaiah 35, 5 and 7. And the second passage is Proverbs 4, 26, which speaks of wisdom and discipline. It says that make level the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. So I think when it talks about this idea of let it be healed, it's speaking of spiritual restoration. It's speaking of wisdom. It's speaking of discipline. Now, as we wrap this up tonight, we are in the week leading up to Easter, right? 
what we know about Easter is that Jesus is, spoiler alert, Jesus is about to rise from the dead, right? It's pretty awesome. When we talk about Easter, what we usually mention is this idea that there was a cross, right? How many have heard of the cross before? All right, just making sure I'm in the right place tonight, okay? We talk about this idea of Jesus being on the cross. We talk about great suffering. We talk about the mocking. We talk about everything that he went through, right? So Easter's associated with the cross, but I think Easter's even more so associated with the resurrection, right? Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. He's no longer there. He's no longer in the tomb. He's now seated at the right hand of God the Father. But I think what often happens when we talk about or we mention Easter is that we forget that Easter is really all about the third person of the Trinity as well as the second person of the Trinity. You say, what do I mean by that? Well, listen to what Peter says in Acts 2, 32 through 33. When he's describing Christ's resurrection, he says this, Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of, say those three words with me, the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wait, I thought, I thought, I thought Easter was about resurrection. and Yeah, 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 it is. But don't forget that Easter is all about this idea that the third person of the Trinity has been sent to empower God's people for mission and for healing. Tonight, I was one asking the Lord, like, how do, how do, we, how do we close this time together, how this message? And I, I think what we're supposed to do is this. I, I, I think we're going to open up our hearts and just examine ourselves for a moment and see if maybe there's some hurt, wounded, disabled, dysfunctional, deactivated, whatever adjective you prefer there, areas in our hearts, our lives, and our minds, some places in us where the gifts have not been operational and there's been some deposits, some stewardship issues. And while Lauren and the worship team are leading us, let's just take a moment and just surrender those back to the Lord and just ask him to come and work a healing work in our, inside of us. And then I'm going to come back up and pray over us. And I believe that um, God wants to do some reactivation in this place tonight, right? Reactivation. So can I invite you just to stand right where you are? Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to look at your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for Christian Chapel. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. I just pray a special blessing over every single person in this uh, room tonight. We just ask that in this moment you would come. You would release healing in our hearts and our lives and our minds that, Lord, you'd reactivate some gifts. In Jesus' name we pray.
there's some wounding, there's some hurts, there's some traumas, Lord, there's some things that have occurred or maybe are occurring. And Lord, we ask tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit that this would be an Isaiah 35 moment, that you would release the healing power of your spirit deep within, deep within emotional wounds and emotional hurts and places, oh God, that we've held on to in places that caused us to withdraw and caught places that caused the gifts to atrophy or maybe they've gone dormant and lord tonight we're praying we're asking in faith that this would be a reactivation moment lord tonight we declare over every person in this room that lord your healing virtue is being released lord we thank you oh god we thank you we thank you we thank you for what you're doing we bless your strong and powerful name now would would you take your hands and just put them over your head Lord, we just pray tonight over every, every, every person, Lord, in our thought life and the things that are allowed to go pass between these two ears. And Lord, I just sense that there's some people who are stuck on a narrative. They're stuck on a script. And Lord, it's just been re on repeat over and over and over and over. You don't have any value. You don't have any worth. You're rejected. Nobody loves you. You could never do it. Blah, 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 blah. A bunch of lies. And I just hear the Spirit saying, let it be healed. Let the voice of the enemy be silenced in this moment. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Lord, we just pray tonight in the mighty name of Jesus that there would be wholeness, that, Lord, you would reorder the script, you would reorder the narrative, that, Lord, we would choose to fix our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who have been struggling with intimidation, we just ask tonight that a spirit of fear that would cripple the people of God would be broken off of, the, off of this place in Jesus' name. That, Lord, we would walk out of this place with a new confidence. We would walk out of this place with a new boldness. We would walk out of this place, oh God, with a capacity to run. Lord, rather than limp across the finish line. Lord, you haven't called us to limp. You called us to run. Lord, I just hear in my spirit, strengthen, strengthen the feeble knees, strengthen them, make level paths for the feet. Lord, we pray over the people of God tonight that, Lord, there would be a measure of strength imparted to the people of God in this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Oh, God, we thank you for this. Oh, God, we thank you for what you want to do. Lord, also, we just pray against anxiety. Lord, I just sense there's people in here who have been crippled by anxiety. Oh, God, it's been tormenting people. And Lord, we just pray tonight that, Lord, there would be a measure of supernatural healing. We recognize there's physiological reasons, there's emotional reasons. But, Lord, to whatever extent it's spiritual, we ask for healing to be imparted and released and manifested for the glory of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, we would walk out of this place with peace encompassing our hearts and minds in the mighty name of Jesus 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 oh we thank you for this Lord we thank you for this Lord we thank you for this Lord there's 
one person or several people here, you're about to, you're trying to make an important decision and you've been asking the Lord, which way do I go? Is it left? Is it right? And I just hear the spirit saying, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, that you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk there in it. Lord, I thank you for ordering people's steps. Lord, that's what this whole passage is about, ordering our steps where we can have the most impact and effect for the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, 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 in the mighty name of Jesus. This is my uh, credit card that I'm holding up. and I'm not going to show you the numbers for obvious reasons, but I don't know when you got your credit card in the mail. When I got mine, it has this little sticker on the top and it says that in order for this card to be activated, dial 1-800, blah, 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 blah. And you have to get on the phone and provide your name and, you know, social security number. And hopefully you've had to do that. And otherwise, what I've discovered is you can walk around with a piece of plastic in your pocket that's of absolutely no value to you. You can go to the store. You can try to do the tap thing or the insert thing or the swipe thing. I don't know. It changes every other day with COVID, right? But at some point, if this thing's not activated, you're not going to get any transactions occurring from your account, right? And what I sense tonight in my spirit as I was putting this together is, man, there are gifts. There are so many gifts resident in so many of us, and they haven't been activated. And so we've got 10 minutes or so here before we close out the service, but, and this is by by no means an appeal maybe to everyone, but if that speaks to you, if you know that there are spiritual deposits inside of you, if you know that there's things that you haven't been living up to the full potential of what God called you to walk into, I'm just going to invite you to come forward. There's space this way, that way. We're going to walk around. And the simple prayer we're praying is this, Holy Spirit, activate something inside of God's people tonight. Not for our namesake, not for our glory or for our reputation, but so that Jesus can be made famous in the generation in the context that we find ourselves in. So Lord, I thank you for activating as we pray for your people. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.